Well, people know it's Super Bowl Sunday today. I just want to point out that there's one quarterback on one team that says my identity is not in football, it's in Jesus. And the other quarterback on the other team says that the last couple years I've grown in my faith so much and I realize the reason I play is to glorify God. So... The main thing today is not football, it's glorifying God. And just like these quarterbacks are doing publicly, courageously, let's let our light shine. Our faith is personal and private, it's also public for the glory of God in how we live, how we treat people, how we listen. And that's important to pray for today, that God would move right here and now and around our nation, blessing the other churches as well. We are in a series in the book of Exodus. It's the second book in the Bible, Genesis Exodus. If you brought a copy of God's word, you can open it now or find it on your phone. We have Bibles if you need a Bible. And in this book of Exodus, which means a way out, this is freedom that God gives. Do you know that God gives you a way out every time you're tempted? A way out. Every time you're tempted, God is faithful to give you a way out. And God sets us free and wants to set us free from sin and the traps and the strongholds. And in this instance, he's also setting people free from slavery. This is an encouraging chapter. Chapter two, we're going to look at the favor of God. The favor of God. Today, we also have a time of prayer. Here's two ways you can interact with prayer. We want to encourage you to be involved in prayer. One of them is our digital prayer wall, interactive prayer wall. Why is that important? That's where we list individual and church-wide prayer requests. It even goes beyond into our city. That's where we list them because if you want to pray for our church, you're probably wondering, how do I pray for our church? All of the requests are listed on the digital prayer wall. So even if you don't post your requests, be on the digital prayer wall so you can start praying more. That habit, praying for your church, praying for the people that are sitting in this room right now and lifting each other up in prayer. That's an important tool. If you haven't signed in, start praying, you know, praying for the church each day, church family. And then also today we have our elders once a month and the elders will be here to anoint with oil, to pray. This is from James chapter five. It comes right out of God's word. God wants us to pray with one another. And also God has elders in each local church and he describes the type of character the people walking with God and as they pray God moves and heals and restores and this is an opportunity today at the end of the message to come forward and receive prayer that God may bring healing and restoration we have a living God amen who answers prayer we're not just going through motions today we're here to meet with God let's pray together father thank you for your presence father we enter the room with a lot of questions and struggles and challenges and sometimes uncertainties and doubts and we declare and know that you are far superior, far greater, that you are sovereign, that you are good and kind and gracious and holy and strong and our trust is in you today, God. We take our eyes off our problems. We don't wanna be distracted. We look to you and pray, God, that your grace would be evident for your glory. And as you bless us, God, we would be faithful to bless many. And we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God's favor is a demonstration of his delight. It's a demonstration of his kindness and his grace. And there is mystery and clarity with the favor of God. There's mystery because God chooses how he expresses and demonstrates his kindness and none of us can force God. There's no manipulation. God's not a cosmic vending machine. And God says, 
and let God be God, and then we respond in gratitude and trust and worship. At the same time, there's clarity because we make choices. And in Exodus chapter one, the theme is fearing God. In Exodus chapter two, we see the favor of God. They're linked in our lives. Fearing God, respecting God, God's favor. Habits that you cultivate are significant in your spiritual growth. Faith is linked to God's favor in the Bible. How does faith grow? Spend time in God's word. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. Your faith will be built up today as we're in God's word together. Be in the habit, not just at church. I couldn't recommend a greater habit than for you to open up the scripture at home. If you live alone, open up the Bible or listen to the Bible. If you prefer to listen, then read. Memorize the Bible. Open it up together as family. You might have two or three generations under your roof. Open it up together. God's word builds up faith. And then pray, pray together, get on your knees. This is a time in 2024. It's not a time to be asleep, folks. It's a time to be in the word and be on our knees in prayer. It's a time to seek God. We need God. And we're not ashamed or too proud to say that in our actions as we seek him throughout the Bible. Prayer, scripture, cultivate those habits. God's favor is linked to how we seek God as well. And all of this, we trust God. He knows all of this is for God's glory. God gives his favor and grace and kindness for his glory. God is glorified in Exodus chapter two. God is glorified in our church and in our lives. We're gonna look at four aspects of the favor of God. We get to see and experience the favor of God in Exodus chapter two. Uh, this is an exciting chapter right here. Let's start in verse one. Now, a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Moses' parents, when you think of God's favor, God's favor extends beyond your abilities. God's favor extends far beyond our abilities. And Pharaoh had laid out a decree that people in Egypt were to throw the young boys into the Nile. That was the decree. Now here we have Amran and Joshebed. We don't see their names here. We see them later in the book of Exodus. Moses' parents are in a terrible situation. They're in a very sad and stressful situation. What would you do if you're holding on to your young boy and the leader, the most powerful man in the world, says every young boy should be thrown into the Nile and killed? What are you gonna do with your young boy? She hides Moses. They hide Moses together for three months. And after three months, they realize there's a lot they can't change. They can't change Pharaoh. They can't change the decree. They can't change the persecution. They can't change the hatred. They can't change this overall situation of slavery that they're experiencing, the threat on their child. There's a lot they can't change, but they choose to defy the decree for three months. If any leader tells you to do something immoral, do not do it. It doesn't matter their position if they're in your family or church or government, or military, if they tell you to do something immoral, don't do it. 
and they defied this decree. Three months, they hid their child, and then they realized they're not gonna be able to hide the child any longer. So what are they gonna do at that point? They feel trapped, yet there's still something they can do. And this is the idea they can make a basket. They can make a basket, and they put Moses in the basket, and then put Moses in the reeds, thick reeds in the Nile River that would protect both from visibility and then also protect from the weather. And in this basket, they placed their son. How difficult would that be to take your three-month-old son, put him in a basket, and put him in reeds in the Nile? That's a major step of faith. They need God's help. It's beyond their abilities to solve the situation. Proverbs 21, 31 says this. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. They can make a basket, but victory rests with the Lord. Battles and wars, you can get the horse ready, but victory rests with the Lord. Because God gets all the glory. She makes this basket, tar and pitch. What's interesting is you read something similar in Genesis chapter six. Take a look at what scripture says when you think about Noah. God says, so make yourself an ark of cypress wood, making rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. There's a picture with the ark. As the floods and the rains come, there's nothing Noah can do about the rebellion in the land. There's nothing Noah can do about the flood that's coming. But what he can do, he can make an ark and he can listen to God and stay faithful in the small courageous things and trust God with the results. In the exact same way, kind of a little picture, this basket, tar and pitch, they want their child to live. They want salvation. They want to see God move, and so they make this basket as best as they can, but they know that God's grace is far beyond their abilities, and they're gonna need God's help to protect their young child, Moses. That's right, they couldn't do a lot of things, but they could make a basket. How many of you know that in your life there's a lot of things you can't control? Whew, there's a long list, isn't there? Even for those people that really want control of everything, you've got to admit, there's a long list of things that are out of your control. And what do you do with that? You either try to control everyone around you and get more stressed out, or you let God be God, and you realize what he's called you to do, and you stay in your lane, and you realize as you listen to God, here's one small courageous thing I can do, and I'm gonna do it well for the glory of God. That basket wasn't just kind of sloppily put together and like, well, I don't know. No, tar, pitched. You know, there's a lot of prayer that went into that basket. I can't control a lot in Egypt, but I can make this basket right here. What is the basket that God is calling you to make? In the middle of the chaos, what is the thing that God has called you to do and focus on and do it well for the glory of God that his kindness and favor is going to be evident? Be faithful in that. I think of Rosa Parks and the situation as she lived and what she saw and experienced and personally went through. And she couldn't just change all the laws of the land. She couldn't change all the hearts. But there was a bus that she took. And she said, each person must live their life as a model for others. 
I would like to be remembered as a person who wanted to be free so that other people would also be free. I was just tired of giving up. To bring about change, you must not be afraid to take the first step. And she said, since I have always been a strong believer in God, I knew that he was with me and only he could get me through that next step. I think Joshabed, Moses' mother, would say the same thing. Because I trust God, I'm going to take this step right here to make the basket. Rosa Parks did not give up her seat. I can't control everything in the land, but this seat right here, I'm going to refuse to give up this seat. And what happened from that? Dr. King then came to Montgomery, Alabama, and he said, we came to see that in the long run, it's more honorable to walk in dignity than ride in humiliation. And what happened in Montgomery, Alabama with that bus boycott started to change things and things started to tip. That tipping point started to move and a civil rights movement that we thank God for now started to gain momentum and acceleration. You see, you can't change everything, but there's something you can do as you rely on God. It's that basket. It's that bus. It's that one city, Montgomery, Alabama, and let's trust God for what he's going to do beyond that. I think of going to seminary. Uh, I had a mentor that didn't think I should. I had family members that didn't think I should. I looked at my bank account. I didn't have any money. I went to Dallas. I didn't know any people. Like There's going to be times in your life where you're out on a limb by faith. But, but what happened? God provided. There was a guy named Andrew because I couldn't afford a car. And he said, you can take my car on a trip for $10 when you really need a car. I was like, that's a friend right there. I got another friend that'll pray with me at two in the morning. I had about 10 of those friends on my dorm floor, right? God provides in different ways. There were opportunities that I I couldn't plan, but it was God's favor and he would provide some money. I didn't have a phone, but sure enough, there was a phone in our dormitory hall I could use. I mean, it was just one little thing after that God pieced together. I came in with no money. I graduated with no debt, I knew very little Bible going in, and I just immersed myself for four years. It's a habit I don't ever want to stop, being immersed in Scripture. Be in God's Word. Let God's Word be in you. God can do it. Walk by faith. Faith as small as a mustard seed. God moves mountains. We can't heal this nation, but we can fast and pray and repent. And I'm pretty sure if God's people will fast and pray and repent, the churches will be vibrant and the nation will have healing. I don't think we can do anything in our own strength, but I believe if we honor God in the small things, God will do great things. Let God do the heavy lifting. That's not on you. Give him your burdens. Let God do the heavy lifting, but be faithful in the courageous small acts and watch God move. There's no limits to what God can do. They were learning this as they looked at what they had. Five loaves of bread, two fish. Oh, there's a lot of people here. What are we gonna do? Just give up, act like we've got nothing? That's not what God wants. What are we gonna do? Pretend like five loaves and two fish are enough? Oh, you'll be happy with one sixteenth of a bite. It'll, it'll be awesome. It'll be awesome. You're gonna do math and analyze that? 
That's not what you do. You take what you have. You start where you are. You give it to Jesus and you say, it's yours. Five loaves, two fish. Jesus, I can't do it. But by your grace and favor, could every stomach be filled? And could there be a bunch of baskets of leftovers that we pick up? There sure was. There sure was. Be faithful to God and watch him multiply. I don't know what's going to happen around the nation the next few years, but I believe this, God can do it in Auburn. Auburn's a basket. Auburn's a basket. I believe that if we serve the greater Auburn area well, if we love our neighbors, if we pray for people, if we share our faith, if we are faithful to God in the small things, what God can do in Auburn, God can do it in Seattle. If God does it in Seattle, believers are going to start to wake up and say, God can do it in our nation. We got about half the church ready for that vision right there. I, I believe it. I believe as Auburn would move and God would start to heal and restore and Seattle can change. God has a plan for where we live. He's not finished with Seattle. Jesus still saves. Jesus still heals. He can do it. And if he does it here, the nation will say he can do it anywhere. I've got friends who are not in the Pacific Northwest and they're just kind of like, woo, boy, you really live somewhere, don't you? I mean... They, they just see us as like the far edge of the mission field. And, and I'm full of hope in Auburn. I'm full of hope in Seattle because he's a God of all hope who's still faithful in his word. His spirit is still powerful. We don't have the whole script, but God does. But we need to start here and now. Amran and Joshabed couldn't just give up. They had to build a basket. Build a basket. Auburn is the basket. Watch God move. Just stay faithful with what God's given to you. God's going to do it. You say, well, I, I can't reach the whole town. No, but you can reach one person, can't you? You can reach one person. I believe God's already put that person in your life. I believe you already know, if you've been listening to God, you already know who that one person is that you've been praying for, that you come alongside, you invite into your home, you start to give gifts, you start to give rides, you start to buy meals, you start to invite to church. I bet you've got one person. Do you know what would happen if everyone in our church had one person, love your neighbor, and just started there? You know what happened? Our staff would be sitting around like, how many services do we need? <laughs> how many more life groups do we need? How big is that room for Discover Grace? How many more Bibles can we get to people? Hey, let's get some more names in that digital prayer list because we got some more people we gotta pray for. It would be a fun, interesting season. Don't be overwhelmed by the bigness of the vision. You just start with one person. I think one person, one person, God can do it. God can do it. Who's your one person? Uh, not all this is in my notes, but I do want to say it's, it's a small, courageous action. And then watch what happens when God's people are faithful in the small things. Faithful with the basket, 
God will multiply it. In one basket, there's one baby. But as God rescues that one baby, God's gonna rescue a nation. What starts with one basket and one baby, God has it connected to two million people that are gonna be set free. One basket, one baby, one kid. Love them well. Protect them, pray for them, provide for them. Watch what God will do. Be faithful in the small things. His favor extends beyond our abilities. We see it here. Let's continue with the text. Look at verse four. What happens next? His sister, this is Miriam, stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. God's favor proclaims his unstoppable grace. His grace is unstoppable. The irony is that Pharaoh said, throw all the baby boys in the Nile. The irony is that Moses was thrown in the Nile. Shrewd as a serpent, innocent as a dove. I'm telling you, be shrewd as a serpent in these days. Be shrewd as a serpent and innocent as a dove. You want us to throw the baby in the Nile? We threw our baby in the Nile. In a basket, with tar and pitch, in the reeds, and a lot of prayer. Shrewd as a serpent, innocent as a dove. And with that, here's the irony. Now we have Miriam. She's three years older than Moses. There's a side note there. If you're an older sibling, love your younger siblings. Care for them, watch out over them, protect them. Don't be asleep. Care for your younger siblings. That's what Miriam's doing. She's taking this posture like, I don't know what's gonna happen. My brother's in the basket. Here's the Nile. There's Pharaoh's side. Where's this all going? I don't know, but I'm ready. Is this the posture you take Monday morning? God, I don't know what you're gonna do today, but I'm ready. I, I'm watching. I know I've got my, my work right here. I see the people coming in here. I got an interruption right here. I got my text right here. Ooh, there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity. There's an opportunity. God's moving. I'm gonna come over there. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna say that. That posture that Miriam has, don't just wake up like, oh, Got my to-do list, no one interrupt me. Just gonna do a few things. Don't be sleepy. Be like Miriam, what's God gonna do next? God, where do you want me? I'm ready, I'm ready. That's her posture. And so as this plays out, we have Pharaoh's daughter. Notice God's hand in favor. Pharaoh's daughter goes to swim, to bathe. She sees Moses, don't miss the details. She sends the servant to get, the attendants to get baby Moses. Then she opens up the basket. She sees baby Moses. Her heart's moved. Moses is crying at that time. Now she has more compassion. She recognized this is one of the Hebrew little boys, Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh says, kill them. She doesn't throw the baby underwater and say, there you go, dad. 
No, she doesn't do that. Instead, what does she do? She says, go get a Hebrew woman. Well, that's your cue, Miriam. (laughs) Miriam hears that. Hey, it's time to get a Hebrew woman. I can find one. Miriam says, I've got a connection. I I know somebody that could take care of Moses. I know a Hebrew woman that's very equipped. I know a mom that would love to do this. And what does Pharaoh's daughter say? Well, then go get her. How much can I pay you? Do you not appreciate the sovereignty of God? Do you not appreciate the irony here? Moses was thrown in the Nile just like the decree. Now, who is going to rescue Moses? Pharaoh's own daughter. Who's going to take care of Moses? Pharaoh's mom. And oh, by the way, can I get a pay upgrade for raising my son? Are there any moms that would like to get paid for changing diapers around here? Any moms that would like to get paid for burping? You know, any mom, here comes a big, they don't pay small. They don't pay small in the palace. Here comes the money to take care of Moses. Do you ever just stop in life and just say, God, I saw your hand. I saw your hand. I saw your hand. I connect the dots. I see what you've done. I see how far you brought me. I see that trial you helped me through. I see your provision. I see your protection. God, this is too good to stay quiet. Your hand is all over this. I'm not here by accident. Proverbs 21.30 says this. There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan, Pharaoh, that can succeed against the Lord. Pharaoh, you've never had a match, but Pharaoh, you met your match. Because there's no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. Psalm 33, verses 10 and 11 says, The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations, from Amran to Joshebed to Moses. When you face a setback, remember that our God brings comebacks. When someone tries to push you down, and they will, remember that our God is the one who brings promotions. When someone tries to take everything away, remember our God is Jehovah Jireh, and he's the provider. When someone thinks they're sovereign over you, remember our God has the final say, and continue to trust God. Because what God is doing here extends so far beyond Moses' family God blesses one to bless the two million, but Moses here is gonna be a prototype of Jesus Christ, a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, the deliverer in the basket, and he's gonna be delivered from the basket. Jesus Christ is gonna die for our sins, not deliver out of just this physical slavery, but Jesus is gonna remove the power of sin, the presence of sin, and the penalty of sin in our lives. These Details that we appreciate in Exodus chapter two point us to Jesus and the unstoppable grace. Could anyone stop God from sending his son? No one. Could anyone stop Jesus from being sinless? No one. The devil himself tried to tempt him. Can anyone stop Jesus from dying on a cross for our sins? No one. Can anyone stop Jesus from overcoming the grave on the third day and the resurrection? Is the resurrection stoppable? No one. The return of Jesus, is anyone gonna stop the return of Jesus? 
no one. He rules and reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. There's no other name given to us under heaven by which we may be saved. Is there anyone that's gonna stop the worship of Jesus for eternity? No one. Are you tired of going against Jesus? Don't go against him anymore. His grace is unstoppable. Receive his grace. Worship the Lord. Follow him. He's our good shepherd. Exodus points to Jesus. Let's continue. We've got one more verse. Look at verse 10. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of water. God's favor makes memories that strengthen your faith. I pray your faith is strengthened today. Joshebed and Amran, what did they, this is hard if you're a parent, what did they have to do as they put Moses in the basket? They had to realize this child, ultimately God, is not ours, yours. That might be the very hardest thing a parent has to do. God, this child is not ours. We also know our own bodies are not ours. Our money is not ours. Our house is not ours. Nothing we have is ultimately ours. And they trust God. They offer their child by faith. They know there's, God has a plan and God has a purpose. When our children were born, I don't know. I still don't know all of God's plans and purposes. But I know as a parent, I do not want to get in the way of God's plans and purposes. I don't want their life to be what I force them to be. I wanna set them up for success, train them up in the Lord, but it's God who has a plan for Moses, and God has a plan that it's Amran and Joshua's role just to trust. They're gonna need faith to do this. They're gonna need faith. And also, we have Pharaoh's daughter. We don't know exactly which daughter for Pharaoh, but I'll tell you as I was reading and looking through some of the Bible commentators, there is one daughter, Hashep. Uh, she, it's reported, could not have children. And again, when you think about the details, Pharaoh's daughter that couldn't have children, why did she have so much compassion on this little boy? Well, of course, God's sovereign and gracious hand, but also there might have been more dynamics here. We only see a small picture a lot of times, but God has so many other things happening on so many other levels. It's kind of humbling. And we know that Moses receives protection and education, royal provision. People say fortune favors the brave. And I think that's kind of another way of really the core of it is that God gives people courage and people who fear God take bold steps and bold words and bold action. And I think that God's favor is there. Look at the, the train here, the, the women that were involved. Remember the midwives that would not kill the kids? They didn't fear Pharaoh, they feared God, and they wouldn't kill the kids. The midwives didn't kill the kids. And then Joshebed, it took a lot of faith to keep Moses hidden for three months and then in a basket. Miriam, it took a lot of faith to walk over to Pharaoh's daughter and to follow that scene. And then we have Pharaoh's daughter here taking initiative. It takes a lot of faith with what she's done to go against dad and to go against a decree. And the irony again is that God is raising up a deliverer. Where? In Pharaoh's house. 
Come on. God could have raised up a deliverer in any house, but which house did he choose to do it? In the very one that gave a decree that all the young boys will be killed. God said, Pharaoh, I'm gonna raise up the deliverer right in your family. Your own daughter is gonna be the one that provides. God has the final say. Moses' name, drawn out of water. Uh, this word also means is born, is born. Notice Moses' heart. Hebrews chapter 11 gives us a glimpse in Moses' heart. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months. See, we're still celebrating this in the New Testament. Don't forget this story. Hebrews 11. Parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Don't ever be afraid of the king or his edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses had more pleasures and fleeting sin available at his fingertips. He could swipe in any direction and have sin. And he had more available than all the other Israelites, but what was going on in Moses' heart? I believe this is a message to America. These very words here. Can we have prosperity and humility? I pray yes. I pray prosperity doesn't lead to pride, but to humility. Can we have so much provision and education and still be so hungry for God? I pray so. I pray our faith is not in our technology or in our education. Can, can we have hope and still have holiness in some dark places in the culture? I pray so. I believe Moses' heart was devoted to God. Don't let the temptations, the prosperity, the, the fleeting pleasures of sin steal your heart. Moses didn't. He had so much available to him, but he didn't. Guard your purity. Moses does that. And what happens when you read these stories? Your faith grows. Confidence in God grows. If God works like that in that situation, what about in my situation? Stephen, in Acts chapter seven, he was martyred. He came before the religious leaders and this is what he says. As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt had greatly increased. This is Stephen's message. Then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our ancestors by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. He's walking them through how God has moved through history. At that time, Moses was born and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. What is Stephen doing? He's pointing them to all the ways God has moved. These are the religious leaders who know scripture. And Moses, what his life represented, stills preaching in Acts chapter six. What God does in Exodus two is still echoing in Acts chapter seven. It's still echoing in Hebrews 11. It's still echoing today. 
Don't forget the goodness of God, the grace of God, the favor of God. What happened to Stephen after that message? He was killed. They were so furious at him, they dragged him outside, they grabbed stones, and they pelted and pounded him until he was dead. He had a vision and saw the Lord Jesus before he died. He prayed, Father, forgive them. They know not what they've done. I'm highlighting Stephen's story because God's favor doesn't always mean that you avoid, that you avoid, that you avoid the persecution. God's favor sometimes means that you go to be with him in glory. There's no better moment than the moment you are going to be with God forever. There's no better moment than that. Uh, death is called sleep in the Bible. Death is still difficult, but there's no, there's victory over death. Sometimes God's favor is going to mean a rescue. Other times God's favor means he calls you home. And I I need to highlight both because both are true in life and in the Bible. Now, here's the last truth is that God's favor is saturated with purpose so that more people will be set free. If God does this in the Bible, God still moves powerfully today, right? If God does it for you, if God saves your soul, God saves other souls. If God has healed your body, God heals other bodies. If God has met you in despair, God is gonna meet others in despair because he's close to the brokenhearted. If God has brought you peace in anxiety, you know what? You're gonna experience that peace that guards your hearts and minds and you're gonna encourage someone else who needs peace. If God speaks to you through a Bible verse, you can take that Bible verse and share it with someone else. You see, what God's gonna do through Moses isn't just for Moses. He wants to set more people free. God's favor and blessings, they don't stop with one person. Now, they might be evident in one specific way, one way here, and it'll never be the same. God provides and protects in such a powerful way. It's never gonna be the same for Moses. There's gonna be more coming. This miracle, this provision is like an open door and you know what's gonna grow from that? We're gonna see 10 plagues. We're gonna see a burning bush. We're gonna see manna in the wilderness. We're gonna see 10 commandments. We're gonna see God's provision over and over and over. God's favor in your life is connected to more of God's favor. When you receive and you walk by faith, you take the next step and God builds on your faith. And then what he gives to you He's going to not only provide for you, but then through you, it's going to bless more people. God blessing you is connected to God blessing many people. Do you know that? Freely you've received, now freely you give. And God pours out his favor and grace upon your life so that yes, you can celebrate it. Yes, you have a story. Yes, you give thanks to God. But it doesn't stop with you. It doesn't stop with Moses. God's solutions are to starting with one to bless many. Moses is blessed to be a blessing. If you know you want to be a blessing to people in your life, you're not just thinking, what can I get from people? You're thinking, what can I give to people? When you wake up in the day, you're not thinking, what can I get from people? You're thinking, what do I have for people? You want to be an instrument and a conduit of God's blessings that he showers them on you so that you don't hoard them, 
but then you have your eyes opened and the blessings multiply. God gives you an insight from his word so that you can share it with other people. God gives you some financial provision so you can bless and help other people in life. God sets you free from an addiction so you can help other people be set free from that addiction. God blesses you in one country so you can bless a bunch of other people in another country. Don't be stingy. Don't be the one that just takes in the blessings and just sits on them and counts them and thinks they're all for you. Moses is gonna lead. It's gonna be a leadership that stretches him. Blessing other people's not easy. Leading other people's not easy. Guiding people to God's not easy. We're gonna need God's help at every turn to live this out. Just because God did a great work in Exodus chapter two, it doesn't mean it's all gonna be easy. But Moses is learning to rely on God. Let God do the heavy lifting. As we prepare for prayer, let me just ask you, how has God been gracious to you? How, if you just had a pen and paper right now, what would you start writing as the first five ways that God has been gracious to you? And then what would be the next five ways that God has been gracious to you? If your heart's beating, you could write that down. You could write that one down. If you're in your right mind today, you could write that down. If you had a car driving here, you could write that down. You could just start writing these down. Gratitude because of the grace and favor of God. And all this points to Jesus. Do you know Jesus there was a decree to kill all the young boys and Jesus and his family went to Egypt, right? Where's Moses? Egypt. Moses was drawn out of water. Jesus was drawn out of Egypt. There's a lot of parallels as we go through Exodus between Moses pointing people to Jesus. But there is no greater grace and favor than the grace and favor we experience in Christ. And as you read through the book of Exodus, it should all be directing us to Jesus. All be directing us to Jesus. And as we see and celebrate God's favor, this demonstration, divine demonstration of his goodness, it helps us to draw near to Jesus. Let's prepare for this time of prayer. And in this moment right now, just think about the grace of God. Think about the grace of God in your life, God's favor, God's provision, God's kindness. And then will you thank God for that? And then will you ask God for a fresh vision, a fresh vision of how those blessings are gonna flow through you, a fresh vision. And may this be a time when we seek God, God pours out his grace and favor, his healing, his restoration. I'm gonna ask the elders to come forward right now as we prepare for prayer. And listen, if you're ready to follow Jesus for the first time because you haven't, never made that decision, you can come forward and let the elders know, I wanna follow Jesus. If your body's in pain today, if you have illness or sickness, you can come forward. If you need restoration in your life, your mental health, a relationship, you can come forward. As the elders are in front right now, this is a time of prayer. You can pray, of course, in your chair. But I'll tell you, it's an extra step of faith to come forward and join in faith together with an elder as God lays out in the Bible and seek God. And as we cry out, Moses' parents cried out. They didn't know how it would play out, but they cried out 
and God moved. I encourage you today to not hold back, but cry out to God during this time. He's been gracious to us. We cry out and seek him together.